Welcome to the Topeka First Assembly podcast. We hope this message serves as an encouragement to you. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so online at www.topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Well, this morning, we're going to get into the book of Mark and the gospel of Mark chapter 11. And the, the gospel of Mark is a, is a wonderful book and a challenging word as uh, Mark goes through and he, and he records some things that's happening in the time of Jesus and with Jesus. Uh, and so, but this morning, our title is going to be, What's Your Faith In? What is your faith in? You know, uh, many people put their faith in different things. Sometimes people put their faith in family. Uh, the others put their faith in their friends. Uh, there are those who focus on their healthcare professionals, and those are all good things. Th- we understand those are all good. They're important, and uh, there are those that put their faith in the church. And yet, there there has to be more than this if we're going to see our prayers answered. And if we're going to see hope and victory in our lives as followers of Jesus. So what is your, what is your faith in? What is your faith in? Where, is, where your focus is, uh, is paramount in your life? And we're going to look over here into Mark chapter 11 together and let God's word speak to us. And before we do, for, for many people in Jesus' day, their faith was in the sacrificial system that God had put into play. It was their, their, their faith had become to where it was focused on the temple and, and, and on the priests and the sacrifices and the requirements that God had laid down for them. And, and those were important. But yet their focus and faith had been more on these elements of worship than it was on the who of worship. And and that who is God himself. And and the same kind of thing can happen to us if we aren't uh, uh, looking the right direction in our lives. We all have to be able to redirect ourselves. It's easy to get distracted. It's easy to get distracted by those good tools that God has put in front of us to be able to direct us to him. Uh, friends and family and church and, and so many things are not only good, but, but God set them up. Uh, uh, but the problem arrives when we let something bend our focus away from where our faith really needs to rest. Because don't we do that? We let our, we don't let our focus be bent off onto other things. And, uh, friendships are important, for example. Friendships are really important. And I remember in High school, I uh, had some friends, and, and uh, you know, sometimes as friends, you get harebrained ideas. And so, you know, it's one of those times where I'm telling, my, off, I'm telling myself, telling on myself. But, but you get those high, harebrained ideas, and uh, sometimes you can, you can bend people off the path if you're not careful, right? Because we think, hey, this would be a good idea, right? So my friend and I, and maybe some of you have heard it, my friend and I were driving. He had a, he had a Studebaker pickup from the 1950s, really cool old vehicle, and, and it was a junker. But anyway, so uh, uh, we were driving. He would take me to school, and I'd bring me back, and as we would swap off at times. And, and one, that truck was, had a hard time time because it didn't start very well. And so one of the things we had to do is push it to start because it just wouldn't hardly do it. It was a stick shift and you could do that. So one time uh, we we had done that and uh, for some reason I jumped in and I was driving and, and, and so we get to the house and of course my house was at the base of the hill. 
And we didn't want this uh, truck to stall out anymore. And so we decided, hey, the best thing to do, hey, this is the, the wisest thing anybody could ever do. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, I got my book bag, you know, with all my athletic stuff in it. And, and he's there on the, in the passenger side. And I says, well, you know what? If we just keep rolling down the hill and keep the engine running, I'll open the door and you grab the handle and I'll jump out while it's rolling and you can take off and it won't stall or anything. You keep going. Boy, the wisdom of youth. <laughs> well, anyhow, it worked. Uh, I didn't die. That is surprising. And uh, I, I will tell you that you should never do that. Don't do what I did. That was foolish. Uh, but, but sometimes we, we make mistakes and we get these ideas and say, hey, this is the way we should go. And so it bends us off the path and we start doing something else that we, that we know is not necessarily the best thing for us. No, no, no wonder the rules have changed for driving and they don't like to have two youth in the, in the vehicle at the same time, right? It's because of people like me. Okay. So it's, it's easy to be distracted by friends. We need to be willing to, to put our faith in the one who formed the heavens and, and holds our lives into ha his hands. And we, uh, over in the book of Mark 11, we find Jesus and his disciples leaving, leaving the town of Bethany, and, and they're heading towards Jerusalem. They're, they're fixing to go there, and it's here that we find Jesus using his authority to do something that we really only see one time in Scripture. Now, I know it may be in other, other uh, Gospels, but, but we see it this one time, and, and he curses this fig tree. And, and then, then after that, and we see that he goes and he clears the temple, and after he, he wraps this up in dealing with this issue, uh, he, he deals with this issue of what, where is your faith? So what is your faith in? And uh, jump in uh, the gospel with me, and we'll, we'll look at verse 12 together. A and it says this in Mark 11:12. 12. It says, the next day they were leaving Bethany. Jesus was hungry, seeing the uh, in the distance a fig tree and leaf. He went to, uh, went to find out if it had any fruit. And he, he, when he reached it, he found nothing uh, but leaves because it was not uh, the season for figs. It, then he said to, the, said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. It's like they were listening. They, they, they listened to the things that Jesus said. And we need to be able to be like them and listen to what our Lord says to allow him to work in our lives. But, but uh, a very early writer, uh, his name was Pliny the Elder, uh, and uh, I don't know if they called him Plin for short. I don't know what they called him. But anyhow, so this guy, he said that the fig tree is also the only tree whose leaf forms, uh, forms, uh, uh, whose leaf forms later than its fruit. So this kind of helps you understand maybe how Jesus recognized uh, the timing of the fruit, where it should be and what. And, and I'm sure there's a, some adjustments with that. But, but Jesus knew what he was doing. And he was, he, was a making, he was making a statement here, but he was not just making one statement. And we have to, we can understand that by reading the context here. And you may, you may not get this if you don't read the context. His actions show his trust in the Father, and he knew his authority. And in some sense, he seems to have been making a rebuke against the religious leaders who were posers at that time. You know, we kind of know what posers are, right? Yeah. Uh, powder up the face to say, hey, this is who I am, when the reality is, is that's not who they are, they're someone else. Uh, 
And uh, so we see that he's dealing with this and many, but not all of those leaders tended to be posers, not all of them. But there were many that were, and they, and they worked to keep up appearances so people would see them in a certain light. But, but it wasn't always who they were in reality. Their, uh, uh, their fruit or their lack thereof showed who they really were. Our fruit kind of shows who we are. And now in this passage, Jesus is walking along towards Jerusalem and it seems like he wants to get a little bit of a snack, right? I don't know, maybe he's uh, getting a little weary from the travel. I'm not sure what, it, what what's happening there, but so he needs some energy maybe. So he, he goes along because he's like us. The scripture speaks of him being like us in that sense. And, and, he, and he goes to the fig tree and there's no fruit on it, no figs at all. And it, it could be that uh, Jesus was like, if you refuse to uh, produce some figs here, you're out of here. You're done. You might as well hang it up. And so you know, if you're not going to put out any fruit, then you should be done. So he curses the fig tree. Now, as we look at our lives and we consider some of that, you, you need to notice that usually in the New Testament, uh, when, uh, if something uh, or uh, someone doesn't produce fruit, they're usually pruned or fertilized or cultivated. We see that. This is one of those unusual times which he, when he does something so extreme as he does. So, but here Jesus knows the time has come and says to the tree, you're done. And here, here in this same scenario, we find uh, something else happening. Uh, uh, it's all connected here, but, it, but it's still in this context. So let's look at the next, uh, next few verses here in verse 15 together. It says, On reaching Jerusalem, J Jesus entered the temple courts and began uh, driving out those who were, who were buying and selling there. He overturned the, uh, overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. You know, doves were part of the sacrificial system, and, they, uh, and if they wanted to give funds towards the temple, they could do that as well, and they would change it for those guys that came in from the outside or those families that came in from the outside. And then it says in verse 10, and it would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. He's saying, let's be respectful here. And in verse 17, it says, and as, they, as he taught them, he said, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you made a den of, a den of robbers. And it's, it's like Jesus here is, uh, was saying that they were simply using their place of worship as a way to maybe to line their pockets, yet that was, that was not all of them. Not everybody was that way, and, uh, and they didn't care as much about the purity of worship and, and what it's about and who it's for. And there are some other issues that comes along there. I'm, I'm sure we don't see it all even today as far as we are from it, but they had, they had, uh, had some corruption spiritually. Jesus is saying there's a time for change. There were times that the, the prices became so high for poor people to purchase sacrificial doves that some of, the, some of the good solid rabbis gave them a special way out and so they didn't have to buy as many because inflation was high, literally. It, it, was, it was a challenging time for them. In fact, at one point, the bottom fell out of the markets there that they had and they paid... They paid like a, a, a tenth or something like that for a, of what they used to pay for doves. So they, it affected them as well at that time. 
They also used a common uh, currency at the temple, which was a little unusual. They used this common currency uh, so that everybody could exchange their money, and then at the temple they would have the same thing. But the accepted currency, the money changers exchanged so people could uh, give in the offering, had the insignia of a false god. And that's what they brought into the temple. There are so many things. There are so many things that were happening here. Uh, there, there is the, the pure, where's the purity of their faith? What was their, their faith really in? And where are you focusing your own faith? So we all have to step back and look at ourselves in the times that we live. Where are we focusing our own faith? You know, it's so easy to be pulled aside by our own ideas of what's, uh, what living out our faith should be, that we miss out on the purity of faith and, and what God actually wants of us as individuals and as a body. He wants true worship, doesn't he? He wants authentic worship from the heart. Could you imagine what would happen if somebody, uh, we'll call him John, goes to a jeweler and told, tells the jeweler, hey, look, I, I've got this diamond ring and I want to trade it out for a set of the best, uh, your best diamond earrings that you have. And so he takes that diamond ring and he, and he passes it over to the jeweler and the jeweler looks at that thing, looks it over and says, this is a piece of junk. Why are you giving me that? Why would I, why would I swap of this plastic ring that has this, this fake gold on the outside and it has a, has a diamond that's really just a piece of glass? Why in the world would I trade this to you for, for, uh, some, beautiful, uh, back for some beautiful earrings? Why would I do this? Where was John's faith? John's faith was in his, really in some sense, was in his fraudulent ring and getting what he wanted. See, if we aren't careful, we can put our faith in the wrong things. And sometimes those things can be good things, can't they? And we see that even for them, they had some faith in some good things, but, but, but it's important for us to understand that we need to put our faith in the right thing, which is the Lord. Sometimes we don't even notice when we have our faith in the wrong things. And yet when Jesus came in, to challenge what was happening, it caused a real problem, didn't it? It caused a major shift among the people at that time. They're like, what in the world? This Jesus is coming in and he's preaching and he's, and he's turning over these tables and he's doing this. And we, we know the fig tree, is it, that's sitting there in the back of our mind because that part of the story is not done. And, and going through, these people were a little upset. Look at what happens there in verse 18 and 19. And it said the chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, they, they, for they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. And when evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. So, I, all right, it's time to go, guys. Let's get out of here for a bit. Let, let's get away for just a hair bit. So the, le the leaders, they, they didn't like it because Jesus was affecting the established things that were going along along and and they they were so focused on on money and power and maybe some other things that they wanted to get rid of him and they he was he was he was undermining their authority you can even see how later they question his authority you see it there in mark chapter 11 verse 28 and in verse 28 uh, it says by what authority are you doing these things they ask and who gave you authority to do this? 
And then Jesus flips the question on, on the head. And he flips it back to them. And you can look that up for yourself and kind of read that for yourself there. And you'll see what he says there. Uh, but, but it's pretty important for us. And, and, uh, and, and it says in, uh, look at what Mark records in verse 20. It says, in the, in the morning as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look. The fig tree you cursed has withered. And I'm sure he's kind of saying, what in the world has happened here? Uh, 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 and he sees this. It, it, this shows that Peter didn't seem to expect this. He wasn't expecting what, was, what had taken place. And I, I doubt that others did too. I, d I don't think they noticed either. And, and maybe we're like that at times, right? We, we don't expect certain things to happen. God does, a, God does some kind of a miracle in our lives. And we step back and like, wow, God, you did that. We prayed. And you mean you actually responded? It's like, well, yeah. Maybe we waited 20 years, you know, the Abraham and Sarah thing. Maybe it's God? You mean you did this? So Jesus, his cursing of the fig tree, it's really the only miracle that we see that brings death and not life and becomes a parable, really, in action. It's like this living parable that takes place. It, it, it's a story. It has a, it has a purpose. It, and fruitfulness was a, was a symbol of, God's, uh, of Israel's covenant relationship with God. That fruit, fruitfulness was important, right? That's important. It's important in our lives. And this, this, this dead tree, this, this cursed tree, the, the blighted tree in the land where, where trees are, are scarce becomes a symbol of God's judgment in that situation. Because fruit was lacking at that point. And the, and the last thing that we should want in our lives is a fruitless life. I don't think anybody would say they want a fruitless life. I think all of us would say, you know what? I, I want fruit to come through my life. I want to be a blessing to other people. I want to be a help to other people. And, and I think that all of us would say that's what we want. And the last thing we should want in our lives is to, to live without any fruit. And, and Jesus even told his disciples over in John chapter 15, verse 16, those powerful and famous words. Uh, and he said, you did not choose me, but I uh, chose you and appointed you uh, so that you might bear, go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. See, the, the fruit that you bear... The fruit that you bear and the answered prayer seems to kind of collect, come in hand to hand. We may not always think about that, and I'm not saying it's salvations by works or something like that, but there, but there's some things that, that, that show that they're connected, and the only way you can, can bear fruit is really to do something, that's rely on God. We have to rely on Him, and that, and that takes us back to, to what is your faith in? See, we all have to ask ourselves, what is our faith in? Is it in the church? Is it in our friends, our neighbors? Where is our faith? And all those things are important, but where is our faith? It needs to be in the Lord. I don't know, maybe you've had a branch that has fell off your a tree at your house or an apartment, and, and you see that branch. And once the branch falls off there, we, we know what usually happens to something like that, the, uh, after the branch falls off, if it's spring like this or 
whatever this is. Yeah, this is still spring, right? And the leaves are green on it. But those, that branch is finally going to wither up, isn't it? There's not going to be much there, and all those leaves are finally going to brown out, and, and uh, th there's not going to be much happening there. And if, and if it was a fruit tree, there's no fruit that's going to come on that. If there was any fruit on it, that fruit will die out too, and, and probably a little fox or uh, something will come along and eat what's left, and there's just not much there anymore. And uh, it, so it's going to waste away, and that's just what happens, but... Because it's disconnected. It's disconnected from the tree, right? It can't have that sap anymore. That, that lifeblood that that, that, that uh, branch needs. And we, we all need that lifeblood from the, we're, we're the we're, he's the vine and we're the branches. If your faith is in God, you can expect fruit and answered prayer. Now, the timing's up to God on that, right? The timing's up to God, and we need to know the Word so we can, when we pray, we pray according to His will. We, we need to be able to trust Him, but, but we can expect Him to work in our lives. And it's important that we be able to keep that mindset in our lives. We have to expect that He will work. People will fail us. It's just a reality. People will fail because we're human. But God will not fail us if we continue to keep our focus and heart on Him, our faith in Him. See, Jesus' simple action of faith had significant results. I don't, think the, I don't think the disciples expected the fig tree to dry up. I just don't think they figured that. And Jesus was not going to let them, uh, let this teachable moment uh, slide by for, for them or for us as well, because it matters for us. We need, it just, we need it just like they needed it. And so he's going to make sure they, they get some points here. But what Jesus did should remind us of how big God really is. It should also remind us of how important our faith is and our trust in him. It's important for us to ask, what's your faith in? Are you focused on all the peripheral things, all those things that are uh, on the outside of God, or, or are you focused on God? Because it isn't it easy to become focused on the uh, per, uh, peripheral things. Oh, yeah, look at that. <laughs> well, that's important. Oh, my goodness. I just see there's a piece on that carpet there. Man, we got to tell the pastor. My goodness, that's ridiculous. <laughs> It's so, it's so easy to be, to be pulled away or sidetracked by all the little things that happen in our lives, and, and no matter what our situation is. And so we have to be able to put our faith in the right thing. And look at what he says here in Mark 11. Mark 11, verse 22, this is a great part of this passage, but it's not the only part. This whole thing comes together here. And, and he says this, Jesus says, he says, have faith in God. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they, they say will happen, it will be done for them. Then the next verse, he says, therefore I tell you, what, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. 
And then, then he goes here into verse 25, and he says, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. That, that passage, that part of that passage uh, is so power-packed, and there's so much in that. We'll break it down a little bit, and we could have spent the whole time on that, but the reality is there's a context here that this is sitting in, and we need to be aware of it. So people have focused so much on the temple uh, and, and its ministries that they had lost their focus on God himself. The temple was, was simply there to help them to do ministry and to, and to serve. It, it was important. And yes, it was God-ordained. God set it up. God said, these are the things I need you to do. Uh, but it ended up becoming at one point a holy cow in their lives, so to speak. And it needed tipped over. <laughs> you ever went cow tipping? I didn't do that because my dad had cows and I knew, yeah, I knew that that wasn't good. So I chose not to do it. So I did other stupid things. Lord help us. Okay, so as we move on, <laughs> the temple was there for a purpose. We need to be able to look past the natural things that help us worship. Look past some of those things and worship the Lord himself. We need to be able to focus on God. Because if we're not careful, we're focused on everything else around us. That's one of the challenges that I think the church has faced in the years, in these past years. And maybe it's a good reminder for us to be able to, in the time that we're in, after all the things that have happened in the past couple years or so, that maybe we start shifting the way our focus is. And we start seeing those things that are important and focus on the one that really matters. Focus on the one who really wants to give us help and to minister to our lives. That we can focus on those right things because, because God has a plan for us. See, God set all those other things in order. It, and may, and we, sometimes we just get so trapped by those things that we miss out on what God wants to do in our lives. It can become easy for us to focus on buildings and organizations and all kinds of things that we miss out on God. And for, for many decades, the early church didn't even hardly have much of anything for buildings, did they? they if you read through, they, a lot of times they met in synagogues, and sometimes they met in houses, and they, sometimes when the, when the temple was there, they met in, in some of the colonnade, and they, they did some things like that. They didn't always have their places, and, and they exploded in growth and in faith, seeing the lives of people change and the church grow because something happened in their lives, because sometimes all that happens is things on the outside, the things that we see and the things that are tangible, and then we focus on that and we miss out on what God wants to do in the heart. We want Him to work in our heart. I think most of them in the early church, they saw what they saw because they had faith in God. It wasn't about programs. It wasn't about coffee. 
It wasn't about having plush uh, uh, pew chairs. It wasn't about all those kind of things. It wasn't have, about having a snazzy pulpit or any of those kind of things or being online or, or having a special name. It's not about those things. It's about the Lord himself and about us connecting with him because we need him. They were willing to be desperate for God. They were willing to be desperate for God. Look at what Jesus says here in verse 23. Again, he says, truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart and believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. What, what is all this based on? How, how can he say that? What, what is all this based on? Well, it's about based on faith in God. And see, that's the thing. Sometimes when people read this, they kind of miss that. But that, that's what it's about. It's about uh, faith in God. You're trusting in God. It isn't faith in their skills. It isn't faith, faith in their financial power to be able to put all the funds together to make things happen. It's not just simply about those things. Though, sure, those are good things. Uh, those are great things. But it's not simply about that. It, those are, are nice, but uh, they are even important for us. But they, they can't. They can speak to the mountain because their faith is in God, not because they have faith in themselves and their abilities and all these other things. Whether it's for the church body, for us, or for if it's for us as individuals. Here's something else here. Look at verse 24, what he says. He says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. So we know faith is a very important part of this. And if your faith is in God, you are willing to ask for God's intervention through prayer. When you do so, believe. That's important for all of us. Some simply consider prayer as a last-ditch effort. Sometimes people say, well, okay, all we can do is pray, right? <laughs> we've all heard that. Maybe we've all said it. I don't know. Uh, but the fact is, it's got to be more than that. It, it, it's, uh, some simply consider prayer as that last effort, but it's more than this when we're willing to put our faith in God. Are, are you willing to believe God and to trust God when you ask in prayer? Sure, sometimes we're like uh, Thomas. Sure, that happens as well. We understand that. And sometimes some have quit coming to the altar uh, a long time ago because they don't know why they should even do so anymore. Some have stopped asking at, at home, uh, asking God at home because uh, they're not sure why they even need to or if he even wants to help them. Open your heart to God again. Open your heart to God again and what He wants to do in your life. Sometimes people will leave everything up to God and His sovereignty in such a way that they won't take part uh, in this kind of prayer. It's important for us to be able to recognize that He's willing to work in our lives. And yes, is God sovereign? Absolutely, He is sovereign. There's no question about it. We know that. But it's also He also gives us a part to play as well to be able to seek His face and pray 
and to trust Him and to look to Him. Here's the final thing. And look at verse 25. It says, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. See, the honest prayer of faith is a prayer uh, with, with God as the focus. And it, it's prayer. Sometimes The reason why I say that is I think sometimes what happens to us is we're so focused on the issue at hand and the, the request at hand that we stop focusing on Him. And we're focusing on the problem, you know, the mountain that's sticking right in front of us. We're focusing on that, and we have to be able to focus on Him instead. And sure, we can have times of weakness, we can have times of doubt, but don't give in to that. We have to encourage one another. That's why we encourage one another while it's still day. While we still have that opportunity is to be able to encourage each other, because we need to do that. But more than anything, if there is unforgiveness that sets there on the couch of your heart, push it off and let healing come. We have to push that off, push that off to the side and, and, and take care of it. Uh, forgive and let Jesus do the work that only He can do. These, these are the words of Jesus here that we, we've just read. And they aren't mine, they're not some other preacher, uh, but they're Jesus Himself who went to the cross for us and who declared on the cross, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. Jesus said it. And then He says, when you're in prayer, you forgive. It's like He was saying, Father, these guys are blinded. Don't make them pay for this. I will pay for it. Now it's like Jesus is turning to us and saying, okay, guys, I did that for them. And look what they did to me. I did that for them. So how much more can you forgive others who have done you wrong? You may, you may feel like there's uh, a mountain in your face. Have you ever felt like that? You know, we've all seen the mountains. We see them at a distance, right? Uh, or maybe we climb on them or whatever. And, uh, but, but, but today, you may say, I feel, I feel like that mountain is right in my face. The question, the question really is, is what's your faith in? Is your faith in that mountain? that you know is bigger than you? Isn't that what happens to it at times if we're not careful? The mountain ends up getting in our way and, we, and instead of putting our faith in God who can move the mountain, we start putting our faith in that mountain and say, yeah, I believe that mountain can stay there. <laughs> or is your faith in your own strength and your work or your ability to work it out? Now, I will say this, we, we shouldn't be the kind of people who are unwilling to work out or to deal with the problems that we face. It is important that we are willing to step out and to take care of things that we know that God gives us the ability to do it or with other people to, with their help. But, but there are times that the mountain is too high and our bulldozer will never push that thing down. You can have the biggest one out there a D11 cat or whatever it is, or, or is your faith in God himself? If it is, and you're willing to believe him, then drop the mess of your past in his hands. And then you can expect God to work in your favor. 
drop the mass of the past in the hands, in his hands, and let him work. It may not be in your time. It may not be. Don't worry that, about that. Don't let that get under your skin. Don't be like the toddler, the toddler that goes to a carnival with their parent and says, hey, when, uh, when, when do I get to go on the ride? And, and the parent says, in a minute. Then they come back two minutes later, right? The attention span is small. They come back two, min two minutes later and say, when do I get to go on the ride? In a minute, hold on. And they keep doing it. Now, 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 there's nothing wrong with us to talk to God and, uh, and say, God, I need your help. And we can do it time and again. Knock uh, and seek and find. We do that, right? We knock and keep on knocking, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But there is a time and there's a point where we have to be settled in that and say, God, I'm trusting you and I'm putting it in your hands. It's not maybe bad to remind him. But we have to be able to trust him. Where are you putting your faith? Is it in a building? Is it in a preacher? Is it in uh, a friend? Is it what? Or is it in God himself? You know in your heart, I think. And if not, ask the Lord to help you to be able to clarify that, where you're at in that. Let's pray this morning. I want to pray for you. Maybe you need to take care of something right now and say, God, my faith is in you. I don't have the answers. I don't know exactly what to do, but I'm trusting that you will work in this situation. Father, we look to you this morning. Father God, we don't know everything. We don't understand everything. Even no matter how good and scientific and how skilled we may be and how much ability we may have, we realize that we don't have everything that it takes. But what we do know is that you have everything that it takes. There is no limitation on you, Father. Father, and we cry out to you and we put our faith and our trust in you, knowing that if we pray that you will hear us, knowing that we can lay down the burdens and unforgiveness and all those other things at your feet and set others free from that. And that, Father God, that you can help us and you can move our mountains in your time and in your fashion. You can move our mountains and we will trust you today. We trust you, Father God. It's not about all these peripheral things. We trust you because you are good. And Father, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.